the root of our reactivity is not understanding the root of our needs and our feelings. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting, to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Cycle Breakers. Welcome to another episode of the Parenting with Understanding program. This week, I'm coaching a mom. She is diagnosed with ADHD. She has three children. One of them is diagnosed with autism. And then she's struggling with her kid making messes, uh, her asking her not to make those messes and the child runs away and then she feels at the end of her road because she's a single mom she doesn't have much support right now she is in, in a grieving process because she lost the father of her children two years ago and it's been rough for her so if you want to listen to this coaching session this is part one and next week we are going to end the coaching session with part two but before we go there i want to invite you to if you do have neurodivergent children or if you are a parent who is neurodivergent yourself HIC Parenting and Jess Martini, you can find her on TikTok as Jess Martini. We are doing a free class to help you shift your parenting and successfully get to a place of finding peace, connection, and cooperation when you are raising highly sensitive, strong-willed, or neurodivergent children. You will find the link to register for this free training on her TikTok. You can find her at Jess Martini, or you will find that link as well in my bio or here. Open the podcast episode and you will find the link. It's going to be today at 5.30 p.m. MST. 5.30 p.m. MST. 6.30 p.m. CST, 7.30 p.m. EST. Okay, with no further to do, let's go with Erin. She is trying really hard to make gentle parenting work. She's learned a lot. She offers her kids choices, timers, talking to them in advance. She's kind and gentle at first. And then her biggest struggle is that... She just keeps repeating herself, repeating herself, even after the choices, even after offering the timer, even after like repeating her, herself the instruction and letting them about the reasons of why they should do things. Her kids, she says that right now they, they're not listening. They promise to do things and they don't follow through. And that's what's going to be the coaching session of today, how to help a mom who has ADHD like me to get to that point of, okay, I could uh, communicate with my children effectively and they actually, instead of tuning me out, they tune in into my voice and they, they listen what I have to say. And that's where we're at. We were going through this session and noticed that we were not recording, but it's okay. This is where we are at. So, um, 
Is there something else that I need to know? That is basically like the gist of how everything goes. Um, it's a lot worse with my four-year-old than it is with the rest of them. Um, she's autistic. Um, she's high functioning autistic. Um, but she has a lot of sensory needs. Um, she, so she likes to get in my fridge a lot to get something. So your four year old, she has sensory needs. Uh, she's diagnosed with autism. You say that your biggest struggle is your temper. You, you try hard to not yell, but you end up there yelling. Okay, so what takes you there with your four-year-old? Is it okay if we choose this specific situation with your four-year-old and maybe leave the nine-year-old situation for... So what is it with your four-year-old? So she just... I mean, she's very impulsive too. Um, And we've been told that she may have ADHD, but she's too young to be diagnosed with it. And she just turned four uh, right before Christmas. And she just gets into everything and like we have you know I explain I tell her like we're not gonna get in the uh the fridge she just likes to get in the fridge and grab whatever she wants and like make a huge mess with it um and so I try to explain to her you know if you want something out of the fridge just ask mommy and mommy can get it for you you can help me get it out um I try to let her help me with things Um, I've been told that that's like really good to try to, you know, let her be a part of certain things, like helping her, like letting her get stuff out. And, but the thing is, is that she runs from me and like hides and like, she does it with everything. Like she's, uh, she loves lipstick. That's one thing. She loves makeup and lipstick. And when she sees a lipstick, she immediately like will run from you because she wants to put it on her lips. And I told her that's perfectly fine. We can put it on her lips, but she also likes to put it on other things that, that she shouldn't. And I tried to explain to her that that's just for our lips. Um, we don't need to put it on the walls or, or the table or other people, especially if you didn't ask them first, but she's very fast. And, um, she does this morning. She, she was in her little kids makeup that she got for her birthday. And I handled this one without yelling. I just, she was like, mommy, look. And I was like, you look beautiful. And I was like, are you ready? Cause we have to get ready and go to daycare. And she was all ready. She, she got up and she did great. So I was pretty proud of myself for that one. Cause I didn't yell at her and she put it away right away and she didn't put it anywhere else. It was just on her lips and her face. So it was okay. Um, but my walls are a mess because she likes to put everything on it. And then she likes to take things from her siblings and just likes to get into things. And I know a lot of her things are sensory. Um, and then her therapist is, um, and she has, um, she has other, she's like, they're called like BHTs, behavioral health technicians that go to her daycare and they're with her throughout the day to kind of just, you know, monitor her and help support the daycare with like any needs that she has. And she's doing great there. She's been doing wonderful for like the last like month or so. Um, but her therapist had said like, she can tend to be like sensory seeking and it's an attention seeking. And 
it's a lot worse when she's at home than when she's at daycare. Um, okay, so she's a sensory seeker, according to her therapist. Uh, she likes to get into things, I imagine, because she likes that sensory input of the makeup, feeling it on the walls, feeling it other places. Uh, she gets in the fridge, and then you try to explain to her that, I mean, if you want to get something out of the fridge, I could help you. I'm wondering, because right now we're talking about your anger, so what does take you there to, to the yelling? Let's just say, when you see your daughter taking things out of the fridge, and then you explain to her if you want to get something out, you need to ask. And then she runs and hides with the thing that she got out and there is a mess on the floor. What comes up for you witnessing this moment? I don't, I don't know if I, I've ever really thought about what I think about in that moment. I just kind of like, I just kind of freeze for a second. And then I just immediately yell and ask her, why would you do that? Because I've asked you to, you know, not do this. And, you know, I try to give her options with things. Um, she has a lot of sensory stuff to play with. And, and so I'm like, all you had to do is ask. And I, and I explain it to her and I, I don't know if I've ever thought about like when I was a kid being like, I didn't get in trouble that often, like, but I didn't get into everything. However, my brother got in trouble all the time for getting into everything. And I think that, you know, we got yelled at. I didn't really get spanked or anything, but I think that I think about, I don't know. I get so upset because I'm the one that's going to have to clean up these messes. I'm the only one here to clean up these messes. Um, I get help from some family, but not for the day-to-day all day of taking care of them and the house and everything. And so it gets so frustrating. And I don't know if it's just because growing up, you're told that you can do these things and you can't do these things. And so... Would you, would you allow me to help you? Yeah. Break these down? Yes. So when you witness your daughter running away from you after you told her, like, no, you cannot do this. Don't, don't do this mess. We already went over this a thousand times. How do you feel in your body? My body is very tense. You say that you freeze. Yes. Where do you feel that tension in your body? I want to say I feel it like, for some reason, I'm, like, tensing up now just, like, talking about it, but, like, a lot. Like, I, like, tensing up here and... um I tend to get a headache a lot from... Okay, so you were touching the size of your arms. I'm, I'm describing because many people are not going to see you on the podcast. So you're on your arms, your shoulders. And my and my head, uh, like my forehead. I, I get headaches a lot. And a lot of times I get a headache when it comes to like this. And like when I get like angry with one of them and I yell. and I have also realized, though, that I may have already been, like, stressed out or tense about something else. And what they did just kind of, I don't know, brought that up even more. And I took it out on them. Um, 
And that's not always the case, but I am noticing that. Like lately, I'm just very, I don't know, burnout. Mm-hmm. So, so how does it feel as you say all those things to me that it's not so much what they do, but it's kind of like this, the lost trot, they broke the camel's back. I honestly feel so bad when I like, after I, after it's done and then I realize like, I just like yelled at them and it, it didn't, it didn't help anything. It, it just made her sad. Um, and made her, it didn't make her feel good at all. It didn't teach her that this isn't, you know, this isn't the way that we should, you know, get our food and we shouldn't, we don't need to hide it. Just ask for it. Or I can help you get it out. Like it doesn't help her learn how to, um, handle things like that. Or, um, you know, if she's hungry or if she wants something that she doesn't have to run away and, and hide. And, um, I know that it also is affecting her behavior because her therapist last week asked me if anything is going on at home because it had affected her behavior, um, at daycare one day. And they said that they've noticed that she does not know how to regulate her emotions. And she, she shows that in a physical way where she's like not being nice to the kids at daycare. And I know that me handling situations in this way where I'm just yelling is not helping her learn to regulate her emotions. And then it makes me feel bad. So I want to extend empathy towards you because you said that it kind of, when th- when she does those things, let's just say the fridge situation, nine times out of 10 is because you're already carrying stress. And that's kind of like the last thing that happened. And then empathy I want to give you is that when you hold on to something long enough, you're going to explode. It's like if I ask you, hold up a glass of water right here with the hand extended. You may be able to hold it for a minute or two, but if you do it for a long time, you're going to spill that glass of water because whatever thing you hold on for long enough, you are going to spill it, you're going to explode. And that's the pattern that I see, that you are holding on to chronic stress, you are holding on to chronic feelings, and I'm very curious about what those feelings are, and because you're holding on to them for so long and not having a way of working through them and getting past your system and through you and out of you, and you're holding on to them, then it gets to a point that you cannot hold them any longer as much as you want to be gentle, as much as you want to be kind. And then you end up in that place. And this is a pattern that that you are living right now. And then that I see from what you told me, your daughter is now living. She's holding on to chronic stress from home and then holding it on for so long until she cannot hold it any longer. And then she spills it out and explodes in a form of maybe behavior at school or behavior in therapy. Do you see the correlation between the two? Yes, I do. So 
the way I see to solve this reactivity issue is to go to the root of that stress so you're able to work that stress out of your system throughout the day instead of holding on to it, holding on to it until you cannot hold it any longer and you're not able to be present with your children anymore. I definitely feel that, I mean, I am always, I'm always stressed out and it seems like no matter how hard I try, I can't let go of this stress. I, I, I have been trying to not only, you know, take care of the kids and their needs, but starting to try to take care of myself because for so long I was just so focused on my children and only being their mom that I kind of felt like I was losing myself, um, not taking care of myself, um, gaining weight. Um, I don't sleep well. Um, and so I'm learning to, you know, start to, I'm trying to get us a better routine down like in the evening and in the morning so that I am getting some kind of form of self-care along with, you know, that everything is, you know, is routine and it's consistent for them, um, in the mornings and then the evenings, hoping that that will help. Um, also been, I live in a small apartment. Um, it's two bedroom. It's perfect size for us right now. Um, but for some reason, I think I moved here when, before I was, before my son was born. So it was even more space for my two girls and me. And now that my son is running around in here too, um, it's gotten to be too much, or I feel like I need more space for us. Um, and I think that that's been a constant stress and doing it by myself has, has been really hard. I heard that a couple of times. I feel alone. I, yes, I've been very, I've been very lonely and just feeling very alone. I have my mom and my sister who are so helpful, but they also have their own own lives and I can't expect them to, you know, help me with the day-to-day taking care of my children and my my house and and everything. My my sister has a son. Um she works for two different businesses and um her son is autistic and he's wonderful and she's so helpful. My children love her so much, but she's busy. She has work. She has her son. She needs to have her own life. And my mom, she works from home and she helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, They're doing the best they can. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they can, they are. And then, you know, the thing is, is with my oldest daughter, she only goes to her dad's every other weekend. Um, And she's been through a lot in her life um, with medical stuff and custody stuff. And, um, and then my youngest two, I do it all by myself because their father, he, uh, died in March of 2020 when I was pregnant with my son. I'm sorry. Sorry for your loss. Thank you. So it was hard because my daughter was only a year old at the time. I was like halfway through my pregnancy, um, with my son 
And it was a very um, unhealthy relationship uh, with their father. Um, A lot of verbal abuse, emotional, like from him. And so um, that has been hard, like trying to grieve someone um, that I loved, but someone that also didn't treat me very well. Um, and then trying to process all of that. And I feel like I never get the time to do that because I'm just always caring for my children and their needs, uh, my son. So you said that you carry chronic stress and then you said that you're going through grief as well. And then you say that you're expressing the need to have that space to grieve your lost relationship. And right now you don't feel that you have that space. So you said stress, grief, and you said that that resides in your shoulders, in your arms. Is there any other feeling besides stress and grief that you're experiencing right now? Sometimes I don't know whether I can tell exactly what it is that I'm feeling. Um, My therapist has told me that, you know, anger tends to come out um, when you're feeling a lot of other different things that can come out. Um, She gave me a a worksheet that showed like all these other different emotions that you could be feeling. However, you, you, you know, you show anger instead. And so sometimes I don't know, I feel like I'm feeling so many different emotions, um, which can be hard. Um, so let's just say when you, you are coming with chronic stress, needing for space to grieve, and then instead you are facing the, the, the fridge is a mess. My four-year-old just ran with the yogurt and she's hiding under the couch and making a mess under the couch. So, and then you say you're feeling stress and grief. What other feeling would you allocate to that specific moment? I would just say that I'm very... Anxiety? Yes, a lot of anxiety. Frustration? Yes, that was going to be my next one. was definitely very frustrated. What about resentment? That you are dealing with this instead of like, I should be a team with her father and he's not here. I feel that a lot with um, with them, with both of the fathers. Um, but yes, specifically with hers, because he's not, he's not here to help me. He can't help that he's not here to help me. But it can be very hard knowing that I don't have that other person to help me with these situations. And you know, Erin, it makes sense to me. It makes sense. This is what makes sense to me. It makes sense that if you're carrying chronic stress from needing space to grieve and you don't have, you right now you said you don't have that space and then your daughter does that and then you feel resentment towards, I shouldn't be doing this by myself. Her father should be here helping me with this, it makes sense to me that that you get to that point of reactivity and yelling with your daughter because it's more than that. It's not about the yogurt spilled on the floor. It's about you feeling the resentment towards your spouse and the anxiety about like, okay, I need to take care of this again uh, on top of the other things I have to take care of. And then the grief 
uh, the need for space, it does complete sense. It makes sense to me. So those are your feelings. Now, I did hear a few beliefs that you have. You said that no matter how hard you try, it does, things don't work. And I heard uh, I'm alone. That's another belief that you have about yourself. And I'm curious about something. If that grief had a voice, what would be saying right now? Let's just say at the moment you are witnessing your daughter spilling everything, the yogurt on the floor, and then you feel stress and you're carrying that grief. Witnessing that, what is that telling you about you? So if I'm feeling that grief in, in that moment, and if my grief had a voice... And the resentment of the father should be here helping me. And then you feel frustrated because you just cleaned the kitchen. <laughs> what is that moment, that witnessing of you seeing your daughter doing that? What is that telling you about yourself? I, I always blame everything on my ADHD. Is it okay if you say what? You tell yourself, even if it's blaming yourself. This is a judgment-free zone. I'm just trying to see what your thought process is to move forward. I will blame myself a lot, um, but I also, like as you said, like with the grief and the resentment, I sit like in my mind. I'm just like, why, why did you have to die and leave me to be here by myself to take care of these kids? And then I feel bad because he's gone. So he can't, he, he can't help that he's gone to not be here. And so then I feel bad for feeling that way, for, for being angry in that moment at him when he's not here to, you know. I mean, it, it was not. No, no, it wasn't. And so... Because I know that if he was here, he would want to be able to be there for his children and, and help through those moments. Um, so I do, I tend to blame myself or, um, I mean, I blame him and then I blame myself and then I make, and then I, and then I'm upset with myself or shame. I feel ashamed of myself because I felt that way about someone who can't help that he's not here. It's not like he's just intentionally not trying to be here to help me in those moments. And um, I, I don't know. I think that that's mainly it. I just feel I definitely blame myself for um, not for not trying harder or for feeling upset about him being gone um, and you know I also I also feel bad because I feel like sometimes I don't stop and think about how to 
you know, handle the situation. Um, I have learned a lot when it comes to like these things. And for some reason I just, I'm just, it just comes out. It just, I just, I just yell and, and then it makes her feel bad. Um, I don't even know how to stop myself from, from doing it. Like in the moment I, or I tell myself all the time, you know, the next time that something like this happens, I'm not going to yell at her. And then it happens again. And I yell at her again. And then I just feel so terrible. And I do apologize to my children. Is it okay if I give you some light when it comes to why this is happening? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the root of our reactivity is not understanding the root of our needs and our feelings. So let me ask you a question. Let's go back to the yoga situation moment. That now that we've been processing all this, if at that moment you are able to pinpoint for sure it's not my daughter, right now I feel resentment towards my husband. Now I feel grief and I need space. If you if you had that thought process, how do you think your your interaction with your daughter would be? You think it would be different or it would be the same? I think it would be much different. I think that it I would be able to handle it in a much different way, knowing that that's also going on as she's doing these things. Um, I definitely think that I would handle it differently. Our reactivity comes from unprocessed feelings and needs and narratives. You say that it feels to you, which is not a feeling, it's a belief. You believe that no matter how much you try, you always end up kind of like destroying the moment. <laughs> is that what you're saying, Sid? Like you, it doesn't matter how much you try, you always end up doing the things that you promised yourself you were not going to do. And that's a belief that you have. Yes. I heard you say that you blame yourself for everything. I do. Beginning with blaming yourself for feeling resentment. I do. I I will, I, I anytime, anytime I feel any kind of resentment, then I feel bad for feeling that way. Like I shouldn't feel that way at all. I should not feel that way, that it's not fair to feel that way. I'm very curious. How was, how was big feelings handled in your family when you had big feelings? How are they handled? You know, it's interesting is I never really even thought about that. Um, it depended on who I was around. Um, I don't think that my mom, my mom was wonderful, uh, but I don't think she really understood as a single mom of three children herself um, that I don't think she understood how to help us regulate our emotions. Um, and so, you know, I don't think she necessarily just told us to stop crying. Um, but I think that she was so overwhelmed as well 
that she didn't know how to fully help us um, process those big feelings as having three children. So she was, she did the best she could as a single mom. And as well, she did not have the capacity to contain your big emotions. She was not present. She worked a lot. And so as a single mom and she, so we were with my dad every other weekend and he lived with his parents. Um, and we didn't know until we were a little bit older. Anytime we, you know, they got brought up, why did they get divorced? It was, they just stopped liking each other. Um, but then we learned um, later on that he was an alcoholic. Um, and that was a big reason that she, you know, wanted a divorce. Um, and he wasn't out. He didn't stop drinking until 2011. So for 20 years of my life, he drank and, um, my dad did not know how to like deal with our big emotions either. Like he never, he never spanked us. He never laid a hand on us. He would yell, um, you know, just tell us to stop. We, I mean, you have three kids that we were butt heads, siblings argue at times, but he didn't know how to, I think, handle that, um, either. And then he lived with his parents. So our grandparents were there and they kind of tried to parent us as well. And, um, they were very different. Uh, my grandfather was just always yelling. Um, he got nicer as he got older, actually. Um, he got a little more calmer, um, before he passed, um, away. And my grandmother, she just, um, I mean, she didn't really always yell at us. She just kind of always made it about God. Um, she talked about God a lot. Not about what you're feeling and needing. Um, and then we had a babysitter who was kind of like a second mom to us. Like, she was always around. And um, I want to say she didn't really know either. And I, I think she did the best she could as well. But, like, her and her husband... They didn't even have kids at the time when she was babysitting me and my siblings. I'm the oldest. And then I have a sister and a brother. It's like the same order as my children, two girls and a boy. And I, I got spanked a few times. Um, not often, not as often as my brother. Um, but I also grew up with my brother getting so much attention because he was always the one showing the like bad behaviors, um, not behaving in a way that he should getting kicked out of schools and just always something. Do you feel resentment towards him for getting the attention and you're like, ah, but I'm the good kid and I don't get attention. I mean, at times, yes, because we still have issues with him as him being 28 years old and I still feel like he gets way too much attention. Now, my mom helps me a lot. Mind you, I've, I have been through a lot and she's been there a lot and had to deal with a lot when it comes to me, myself. I'm not perfect. However, that stuff, like the things that I, you know, the choices I made that I weren't particularly proud of prior to having children didn't happen until I was like 19, 20 years old. I was the people call me the goody two shoes. I was all about 
you know, making my mom proud and, and making sure I did well in school and didn't really do anything. And my sister, she was always the, the really good one. Oh, she could never do any wrong. Um, and that could be hard. And what happened when you did wrong? Um, you know, I got sent to my room or I had, or I got yelled at and not, you know, and I never thought about that until I've learned more now about children and, you know, letting them feel heard, um, and, you know, letting them feel their emotions and things that I know my mom didn't, in, it didn't do it intentionally. Um, however, I wasn't always very heard. So Erin, I, I see a pattern. I see a pattern. So this is the pattern that I see. The pattern that I see is that you learn from a very young age to stuff down your emotions, to show yourself compliant so you don't lose the connection that you had with your caregivers. And then that pattern helps you survive as a child. It did. And it transferred to your adulthood life and it's transferring to your parenting because that's what you're doing right now too in your parenting. You're stuffing down your emotions. You're showing yourself pleasant and, and in a way compliant, quote unquote, to, I'm saying quote unquote because you didn't say that you're compliant, but you're saying that you've been following a lot of like the gentle parenting guidelines and techniques. So it's kind of the same pattern of I need to show myself that I'm doing this thing right in order to prove that I am the good mom, which you are really a good mom, but that's your thought process. Does it sound true to you, the things I'm saying? Yes, it does. So what's happening? And then growing up, you didn't have the emotional container, which are your caregivers, your parents, your uh, grandparents, your babysitter. They, they were great in some areas maybe taking care of you physically <laughs> but when it comes to the emotional side they didn't contain your big emotions and they left you alone and then you created this narrative in your head of I am alone and then the I am alone narrative is running with you since childhood and it's transferring now to your parenting you are, you are bringing that narrative of I am alone. It doesn't matter how much I try. I always end up doing the thing I don't want to do because that's the thing you lived growing up. You were trying really hard to be the good kid. You were trying really hard to, ha to have the good grades. You tried really hard to parent please. And it doesn't matter how much you tried because you had undeveloped brain, because you have emotional needs, because you didn't have communication skills. They didn't teach you how to do that. You still express behaviors that were not of approval of them. And it confirmed the belief that was creating that system, that pattern was creating in you of, it doesn't matter how much I try, I'm always going that to, I'm, I'm going to screw it up anyway. And then you blame yourself. And this is the pattern of stress. Like you are carrying that on your shoulders. That's why you feel it on your shoulders and on your arms. Because 
you've been carrying on the pattern of, of the burden of I need to perform, I need to show up as, as I got it, as I ha have it together, as I am the good child back then, now the good parent right now. And then you carry on onto this weight and carrying it on and carry it on by yourself because you have the narrative as well of I'm alone on this. I don't have anybody else that can contain these big, these big things that I've been carrying on. I have to carry it myself. And then we, you cannot hold it any longer. When you were growing up, they isolated you and then you blame yourself. And now what's happening is that you yell and then you blame yourself too. So did you see how the pattern that was created in your childhood is repeating to the T in your parenting? Yeah, I don't think I ever really thought about that um, at all, uh, about my childhood affecting, I mean, it can affect how you parent. If you parent like your parents, um, I have friends that do that and I've tried to talk to them a little bit about, you know, gentle parenting and some of them, well, like one of my best friends, she would argue that that's just not the way she can parent. However, I think she's come around a little bit because I asked her, I just asked her, I said, just listen to them. Just, just realize that they're showing you that they have some kind of unmet need and, and to, um, listen to what they're feeling. I asked them what's going on. And, um, I never thought that I never thought about it. Cause I was just like, my mom was wonderful. She did the best that she could as a single mom, not realizing that I wasn't heard as a child. Um, and I don't think I ever thought that my thought about it with my brother, um, as a kid, like growing up that, you know, he got so much attention because he always got in trouble, um, that that could affect that. Um, and we're, we've actually been dealing with stuff with my brother now and how that could greatly affect me. I actually am currently taking care of his dog and I don't normally have dogs. I love dogs, but that's added stress. On this episode, we discovered that Erin has a pattern of believing that she that it's, everything is her fault, that she needs to try hard to not screw it up because everything ends up being her fault. That's her limiting belief. And that's what's keeping her in the cycle of reactivity with her kids. Next week on part two, we are going to move on to a more expansive belief and what to actually do to help her child with sensory needs, not make messes on the floor, that's going to be next week, so I encourage you to come back. If you are an HIC cycle breaker, meaning you are one of our customers, I highly encourage you to join our private Facebook group. It's called HIC Cycle Breaker private Facebook group. You can look for us on Facebook and request to join. Don't forget to follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, at The Considered Mama, that's Rachel, and High Impact Club, HIC Parenting is High Impact Club, on Instagram, on TikTok. And remember that it only takes understanding to break your cycle. I'll see you for part two next week.